All right, it's Tuesday. That means it's time to talk to our good friend. Dabble some basketball, dabble some football, dabble life, everything else going on with uh, Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. Good morning, BC. How are you? Not too shabby. How are you guys? All right. Um, I'm glad you used that. I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. I'm a big fan of not too shabby. shabby. (laughs) I I think I sometimes... uh, dust off phrases that are like 20 to 25 years old but that, that that's all right that's perfect and you know what so I love it's, you. we're all midwesterners we get it the whole kit and caboodle yeah. uh there you go so you're gonna be a busy man over the next uh, few weeks uh because of uh basketball and that's a good thing i was thinking about this when you know everybody's trying to figure out a seed for nebraska and we just had our bracketologist from stadium.com was in studio and he has nebraska as a nine seed which would move them out of Omaha because a one seed's not coming here. But Nebraska could be a nine seed, and you know people will still be fretting until Selection Sunday, even if Nebraska goes three and zero, or you know, or if they go one and two, you're gonna be like, ah, I don't know. But if 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 Nebraska on this path that gets them to the NCAA tournament for only the second time since Danny Knee was canned, and we got to go back a ways, and they don't win a game. Is it still a successful season? And I'm not I'm not making a leading question, but basically what I'm asking, is Nebraska basketball right now considered a successful season? Uh, yeah, if they make the dance, I think so. Uh, because I think you have to backtrack to what, like if, if I'd been on the radio, you know, a week before the first game, and you'd said, okay, what's your call for the year? And I said, I think they'll win about 22 regular season and uh, they'll get in the dance, the nine seed or something like that. That's where I'd say. Um, there'd be a few people who uh, like their Kool-Aid would be like, yeah, 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 that's right. That sounds mm-hmm. good. Uh, the majority would be like, why do you even, they already say this probably, but they'd be like, why do you have this guy in the air? He's an idiot, you know? And it's just, uh, I, I, I think there was probably a lot more people then who were just like, maybe get to the NIT or something like that. Let's think back. We didn't know how, like, Rink Mast and Bryce Williams were going to fit at all. I mean, they were respected um, additions, as was Josiah Alec from the portal. But when you looked at, like, people who are ranking the portal pickups across the country, it's not like everybody outside of our bubble was fawning over who Nebraska got or acting like, oh, okay, they just changed their roster completely, look out for Nebraska. They were still a team that was being picked you know, in that 11-14 space by most people doing preseason stuff within the Big Ten. So all that to say, yeah, I think it would mm-hmm. definitely be a success because you got to just, you got to think about what we thought before this began. And and we we had no idea. No. Uh, Fred Hoiberg did, and this is why he deserves a lot of credit. He's been a great surveyor of the portal uh, talent the last couple years and how he needs to change the makeup of his team and they thought they had one in mass, and they were the ones who thought Bryce Williams was, you know, he was starting to rise up at Charlotte at the end of last season, and they, they really thought he was going to be a do-it-all guy, and they nailed it on them, and then Josiah has just really come along the last month and a half. Gary has, I'll give Gary credit, he, he started this conversation a few weeks back, and I think it's gaining more traction when it comes to Fred as Big Ten Coach of the Year in that in that conversation. Definitely. What? Where would you say you just kind of laid out the things, the unknowns of this season? What would you say has maybe been 
the most impressive thing that you've you've witnessed from Fred this year with this team and and just how they've all kind of come together? Um, you could you could use Sunday as a, a case example. Um, you know when Ben Johnson from Minnesota comes in afterwards and says that's what desperation looks like from a team in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's uh, that's wild. That's a, they, Basically, I mean, that quote to me was one of the, yeah, it was one of the more interesting quotes I've heard a uh, opposing coach say after a Husker basketball game. For years and years, it's been guys coming in there, uh, throwing niceties at whoever's the head coach, and it's all always kind of looked at with rolled eyes, like, yeah, that's what you got to say, and, and sure. is this thing ever going to get rolling? Um, this was a quote where Ben Johnson was not mad at his team, really, or perturbed with how they played, he thought they ran into a buzzsaw of, like, a team that has passion and a real, you know, purpose to get somewhere. And Nebraska is actually going to be the example for his squad of this is what it's going to take, guys, if, if we're going to get to that spot now. Um, and so for Hoiberg and his staff um, to have those guys, I think, dialed in um, the way they've been, especially the last four games, and just especially on the defensive end. If you look at their metrics from since like the beginning of February, they're they're yep. like top five or something like in a lot of stuff on that end of the floor. I mean, everybody acted like the the Penn State game was an eyesore because uh, it was sixty eight forty nine. I was looking at that as a real positive trend because Penn State was averaging seventy five per game coming into that. And um, I thought if Nebraska can find this consistency on that end, they've got enough on offense where you know it's going to come along on night. Someone's going to get hot. If they can play defense like that, they're going to be a tough, tough team. And, um, you know, look at what Penn State did, by the way, after that, you know, 90 against Illinois, 83 against Indiana. So, um, and then the whole Minnesota, their season low, 55. They were averaging like 76 per game. So just what they've done on the defensive end of the floor, um, because if you go back to early January, um, there were questions about that. You know, I mean, remember the trip to Madison when Wisconsin just lit them up and it felt like it was just, yep. you know, uh, shoot around jumpers, like, um, all game long. Um, people were really wondering what this defense could be in the big 10 and, and they've really fixed that. Hey, so while we, we talk a lot about Fred and I mean, th- this is the epitome of a team. You, you talked about the defense and they play a lot of team defense. Um, you know, all eight guys that played had an assist on Sunday. I mean, that, that's that's pretty amazing. But there's the other part of Fred that I would, as this unfolds at the end and they make it into the tournament, I would love to have Fred open up or Trev open up because I'm going to take you back, BC. And I go back two years ago. We, I, I've kind of said, okay, where was rock bottom in this program? I don't think it was. I don't think it was the COVID year. I think it was two years ago. When they are one and fifteen in conference play, they're six and forty nine under Fred, uh, and Trev is being asked about is he going to keep his coach or not? Who at the time was twenty one and sixty five, and people wanted him out of here in his third year. And Trev went on his radio show and he said, "Fred is going to be our basketball coach," but he used this quote. Fred has presented a plan to me that I believe is the best long-term interest of the Nebraska Athletic Department, which came before the men's basketball program. He said the best interest of the Nebraska Athletic Department over the men's basketball program. Wouldn't you like to know now 
the backstory and the meeting between those two because it was also the restructuring of the contract. What Fred told Trev when you're seven and twenty, one and fifteen, what he said to Trev, what his vision, his plan was, that Trev said, That sounds like the right move. Let's move forward. Yeah, definitely be interesting. Um, I don't know how detailed he would get about all that, uh, but it's, uh, you know, credit where it's due. Um, made a tough staff choice there. Um, he's had, he had had success with, with the, who he was previously associated with there, um, you know, going back to Ames. And uh, it just wasn't working, and there was, it, it just felt like it, they had, like, talented individuals but it felt like you were watching individuals play his first few years you know here in Lincoln and then um you know his way of building the roster I think people saw it last year um and those with patience I think realized even when there was a some tough stuff in December this season that hey we're kind of in year two of the reset like I would sometimes get I seriously would get questions in December or whatever about oh what's it going to happen to Fred when they're like seven and two you know this season because it was year five and I would always say you know I I think you gotta you gotta get your head around this is like year two of a of a different era almost like with Boyberg they switched it up last season and they had success and now they're building off that and let's see where this goes but I don't think you can just like look at it um, like, like it's all the same thing. Like it's all connected. It's different now. Um, and, um, to his credit and to his staff, his assistant coaches have done a bang up job. I think, you know, uh, Ernie Ziegler, Adam Howard, Nate Lenzer, those guys have just, uh, they've been on point and, um, they've, they've found a good chemistry. And the thing that you notice with this team, um, is they really like each other. I mean, he, he shared on his radio show last night, Hoiberg did, about like the Indiana game when the Hoosiers are making their push and uh, Boogie Coleman yeah. is the guy who's in the huddle right. um, saying, all right, let's go, guys. This is ours. And, uh, you know, people can think what they want there and be like, oh, big deal. I mean, Boogie Coleman was supposed to maybe play a lot this year, some thought, when yeah. he got picked up, and he hasn't. And uh, he's still involved. And um, it just feels like, They've really nailed down their rotation, and everybody knows what they're supposed to do well with their role, and they've accepted it. T.J. Wilcher has accepted it really well. I know he hasn't been hot lately, but I still think he's got a big one left in him here down the stretch. Um, Jamarcus is a great story the last mm-hmm. month. So it's just one of those deals where every you're kind of pushing the buttons, and it ends up it's worked out way more than it hasn't this season. Brian, you mentioned the coaching change uh, with Matt Abdelmassi and, and knowing that not only what that meant for actual in-game, but more of shaping that roster. Look, Fred is no stranger to bringing in transfers. It was a thing he did at, at Iowa State as well. Is yep. is there is there something to to be said about not only with the separation of Matt Abdelmassi, but also the way that they're going about getting transfers and and the type of transfer that you know how they're valuing now identifying the guys now compared to maybe how they did it at Iowa State and even the first couple of years here in Lincoln? Yeah, that'd be another interesting question for him. But when he when they started doing it at Iowa State, I, it would be wrong to say no one else was doing it, but it wasn't like it is now right. as far as the, the transfer pickup and where it just elbows out so much. And so it's become more difficult. I just feel like personally outside looking in, he's the last two years it's been more about not just finding like that one – monster transfer 
um, like, okay, here's that one headline guy. It's more about, okay, we got this guy, Mass. Now, what if, what, what's next to him? You know, like Bryce Williams, okay, they pair well off each other. Josiah Alec would fit this other spot. And mm-hmm. it's just really well thought out, like, how the, like, three or four additions all connect as puzzle pieces. Um, and I'm not saying they weren't attempting to do that in the past, but it, it just, they've just been way more successful at it the last couple of years as far as the everybody that them like kind of being able to predict this is what this guy's skill set is, how it works in the system and how this other guy would play off of it. Um, and it's been really impressive. And then I think the biggest thing too is, uh, you know, you look at last year, uh, Derek Walker really found, found it as like a facilitator, like a big who could do that sort of stuff and, you know, have five or six assists a game or something like that. And then you're able to replace a very difficult spot in rink mass to, yes, he's a little different than Derek Walker, but he can do some of that same stuff. He can have five assists on a given night. And now he adds like an outside shot um, to the equation. Um, it's just been, I think, huge to find like that six, that six nine six ten guy like that who is just so good with the ball and guys moving off of him and um, not everybody is able to locate that particular person and that's why you see it now they were so excited when they got masked and you know again I go back to not everyone around the country was making a big deal about that when it happened but they thought they really had it and they were right yeah uh, people in Peoria kept telling us that's a big deal. Uh, him leaving uh, Bradley to go to Nebraska. Brian Christopherson from uh, Oscar 24-7 joining us. Uh, I want to shift the football real quick here. Um, by the way, 24-7 is in love with Nebraska football in the in the pre-spring and projections as a breakthrough team. Um, pre-spring final uh, record projection, 9-3, and 6-3, and three, uh, a three-way tie for third overall in the Big Ten. So, so 24-7 loves Nebraska. Well, someone does. I, I mean, I'm not seeing not. <laughs> oh, I mean, Brian. The national people who are taking <laughs> yeah. care of these are in love with yeah. Nebraska. But as I, as we know that we're going to go into a year that has no divisions, but yet all I hear is that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to try and find a path to add more teams, which may leave us with divisions again, where you could have a conference championship semifinal and then a final. There's a lot of stuff out there, but. When the Big Ten expands again, they probably have to go back to divisions because I don't think you can have a 22 or 24 team league and it's just all of them. But as we make the transition to no divisions, looking at the West, formerly known as the West Division, which programs do you think are going to struggle because they're not in a division? Formerly known as West, formerly known as Prince. Um, let's see. Um, Maybe, what if I went down the list of seven and you said yay or nay? All right, let's do it. Illinois. I think they're gonna. I think they're going to be about what they've been. Um, like I, I think every, unless you're really rising, I think everyone might get dinged like a game or so that's in this division. That's what I'd mm-hmm. say up front. But I, I'll say that they are pretty steady. I, I've always been kind of a Bulima guy, though. Purdue. Um, they're going to, they're, they're going to struggle. Um, I think Northwestern down Northwestern. Um, they're going to, they're going to hold steady as like a six, like a six win kind of team. Iowa. 
I was going to go down slightly. They're not going to just get go down the the drain, um, and it might take a couple of years. But I I think um, I think they're going to be more in that seven to seven to eight win category uh, going forward, as opposed to the you know like nine and tens we've seen. Minnesota. I think that's a tough job. I, I, I actually think Flex done a really good job. Um, I think they're going to go down a little bit. I think they've always been on the razor's edge um, with Flex, too. And Nebraska, I've said this a billion times, has let them. They've been a particular program that Nebraska has let off the hook if you look at the times they've played and, and certain results in some of those seasons. So I think they're going to uh, they're going to drop some. Wisconsin. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I think they'll, I think they're going to be like, uh, eight, eight wins or so. That's, that's kind of where I think they're going to be. Um, you know what? They're best. They're in the same spot as Nebraska right now. That's another team Nebraska let off the hook in Madison last year because, um, they let Wisconsin put a kind of put a nice smell on that season, which had a, it, it, it was not – they weren't real happy with how things yeah. were going yeah. about the time Nebraska showed up. And if Nebraska had dinged them that night and pulled that thing off, um, it would we there'd be a whole different conversation. I mean, it's year one, so it is what it is. But it, there would have been a different yeah. vibe about Fickle and, and what went on there. And so I, I think they're going to – I don't know. I don't – I would bet on Nebraska over Wisconsin as far as a new layout. That's the bottom line. And by the way, Wisconsin has Alabama, USC, Oregon, Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska on their schedule. Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> I, I just think the last few years they've been spinning their wheels a bit. Um, obviously, two years ago, uh, they were very fortunate to get to a bowl. Um, and last season, I, again, if Nebraska wins that game, it, it would have been the same deal. So let's, let's uh, finish with Nebraska and, and what you just said, answered the question. But let me go at it this way. So it was a huge change from Big 12 to Big 10, the style of play, the recruiting, learning the opponents. I think the Big 10's identity of how they win football games is still going to be in place, like the Michigan-Ohio State combo to win games. Mm -hmm. It's not like Oregon and USC are going to completely change the league how you play the game. I think it's still going to be Big 10-centric. But why do you believe in another transition, not as drastic as moving conferences, that Nebraska will be in a good shape starting this year and moving forward to keep their head above water. Because you said it on a tee for me. Because, yeah, it is similar, somewhat still going to be the same style necessary. I think you still have to be rugged in the trenches. And I think um, something I've been most encouraged about with rural staff since they got here is how they're working at building up the O line and the D line and like how they immediately jumped into being a top 10 run defense. Um, you know, stuff like that, just the, 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 that style of ball, I think is going to play, but also with that rule, I think thought ahead a bit. Um, and it, you, he took a little bit of a chance with the Tony white hire when everybody's asking how that scheme like is going to fit. And what he saw, um, is that it's a really bendable defense that can adjust to a lot of different, um, you know, offensive attacks that it's going to see. 
And so when you're talking about a league that is so spread out and you can't just pigeonhole it as, okay, this is the exact style of offense you're going to see. I mean, every week could be a complete contrast from the other. And so if you do have the style of defense, um, which Nebraska does, where I, you can really play with how many down linemen you have very easily and, and all that stuff, I, I just think it's a, it's a very good fit, um, you know, for, for what they want to for what you have to have in this league. So I, I think it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a smart move um, with Tony White, not just because he's a great coach, but because of the ideas he has and how those can work, I think, in, in a league like this. BC, I want to ask you about, we saw the episode come out yesterday with the, the chasing three. We saw the, the look in throughout the season. I know Matt Rule kind of hinted during the season that he didn't know if he would do that again. I, I couldn't help but notice everything that they're kind of shooting. A lot of it, you're seeing the new facility, you're seeing the new practice. Uh, I mean, all that, that entire new building. And it looks even better than what, it, what we saw in the fall. Do you think that he's probably going to keep doing this? Because I just think of it from a recruiting standpoint and the fact that you're showcasing those facilities too on, on a lot of these episodes and everybody wants the access, that it almost seems like this is something that Nebraska is going to continue to do. Um, I think the fans would hope they keep doing it. I know everybody really enjoys it. Um, I think even former players, I get this from them sometimes who miss it. They love seeing that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it brings them back a little bit and I'm sure he hears from those guys. So yeah, I, I kind of think it's going to be a hard thing to give up. <clears throat> and also, I mean, it is, it is a useful tool, like, um, not, not just from the facilities, but I think what you hope shines through from Nebraska's end is the yeah. people, like the way the staff connects and you you get this idea across the prospects which uh they don't think is a a sales job but just the reality that it's a family and if Mm -hmm. you come here you're going to be part of that and i think that's probably the biggest uh, mission in those videos is to show that that's what it is because that's what they believe it is and um yeah that that probably would play pretty well if you're like a kid on the fence and you're looking at it thinking like yeah I'd, i'd like to be a part of that and what they got going everybody seems pretty happy i mean and I mean stuff like the other night too at the basketball game, and then you know you have Will Compton tweeting out to his audience, you know the Jeremiah Charles dunk and stuff, mm-hmm. and the, you you can see that the PBA is full of the rafters, and I mean it, it's just people can uh, roll their eyes again at that, but I, I think it's useful to, to kids. And right now, even though they're five and seven, and I know the ongoing joke is Nebraska's always the off-season champs, but they do feel like they have momentum within their program. They're presenting it as such. And if you uh, make other you know, people believe that and there's excitement about Dylan yeah. Ryle being here and all that stuff, it, it, it can all work together and, and uh, you actually do have momentum then. Yep, and you guys at the national desk at 24-7 say 9-3, and three, book it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do, I guess. Take the over. Hey, BC, as always, I appreciate the conversation. Great stuff in there. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's uh, Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. Invest in 24-7. They have invested in Nebraska, yeah. man. Nine and three. We'd take that. I would gladly take that. Uh, all right. 24 past the hour. Uh, we'll catch up here at the tail end of the show and some uh, tweets and some uh, emails and uh, life being good as a Creighton basketball player. That's coming up next on 1620 The Zone.